Hello everyone, welcome to my first podcast ever. As you may or may not know, this account is a research account. And my topic specifically is about communication in cancel culture being toxic. Now, cancel culture might not be a popular topic that it's researched about, but it definitely is something that is happening in our daily lives that is um, celebrities getting canceled, even politicians getting canceled, and maybe even like people that we know getting canceled, like maybe your sister, your brother, your mom, your friend, anyone is a subject to being canceled. So it definitely is a phenomenon that's taking over our lives, especially in younger generations that are involved in platforms such as Twitter, where the popular stan community is involved in this issue about cancel culture. But what I say is, why does it get so toxic at some point? I know that a lot of people that participate in this community or maybe outsiders from this community have opinions or some theories of their own as to why it can get so toxic at some point in this social media. What I want to bring into light in this podcast are some thoughts of my own, but not only that, also researchers, experts, educated people who have analyzed these behaviors and that they can show other perspectives as to why it can get like this in cancel culture community. Now, the information that I will be exposing to you guys comes from three very different researchers, which have, like I said, different points of views, which is very important to show all sides of the story. But they all agree that cancel culture is a big social problem that is evolving in communication, and it's therefore causing a harsh outcome as to how we approach issues in social media. So to start off, we have Professor Eve Ng, who is specialized in the media arts and studies. Professor Eve's studies focused on the investigation of cancel culture and the misinformation in it. She wanted to show that communication in cancel culture can be falsely supported by misinformation, which basically means that information gets spread out without being sufficiently examined. She mentioned in her article titled Reflections on Cancel Culture and Digital Media Participation that, and I quote, platforms such as Twitter can foster ideological rigidity and lack of nuance due to typical textual brevity, the speed which posts are disseminated, which can then militate responses. She definitely makes very important points in this quote. She says that sometimes we don't go into detail when problems are talked about in social media and that information sometimes is not fully acquired by people. It can be better explained with that telephone game that everyone knows about. Well, most people would know about. You know how when you say something to a person and then that person passes it on and on and on. But by the time it reaches someone else, the outcome from the original statement is completely different from what it was meant to be. But she basically wants to make that point. Um, how information can be taken apart and how words can be turned into something else from what it was intended at first. We also have Professor Joseph Velasco's research from his article titled, You Are Cancelled, 
where he applies his specialization in generation studies to persuade of a more constructive way to address issues rather than just canceling. He also wants to remind people that they can be subjects to being canceled. He even said, I'm scared of writing this article because of my own opinions getting canceled. And even I would agree with that. It's kind of scary to share your own opinions in a podcast just like that. But essentially, he just wants us to understand that even he and me and all of us are subjects to this cancellation in social media. Additionally, he also wants to share that cancel culture is more complex than we think. It's not an easy subject that can be fixed by getting rid of problematic people in the media. It gets more complicated than that. And he wants to bring awareness to study this problem and bring it into light to researchers to be explored. And in this article, he mentions that, and I quote, there is no clear-cut parameter that someone merits cancellation, saying how the general way that most people are getting canceled has to do with behaviors that are evolving in our society. And he's trying to encourage of a more peaceful way to give constructive critique, like he calls it. And like we mentioned before, he wants to make us understand that there's a better way to deal with these issues rather than just canceling people on the media. Lastly, we have Meredith Clark, whom I actually very much enjoyed her published article titled Drag Them, a Brief Etymology of So-Called Cancel Culture. And she's a professor and research scholar with an African-American background. And she takes that, her background and her studies in her background that are influenced in cancel culture to inform about the typology of cancel culture which originated in black community. It all started as a form of activism. It really wasn't about canceling. It's just that changes in behaviors how Professor Velasco was saying, caused it to be labeled as cancel culture, which can be a very toxic label, and she even considers it to be in her opinion. But she shows definitely a different perspective because I personally never thought of it being initiated by the black community. She points out in her article that, and I quote, the noise of online harassment that has evolved from the callout of cancel culture, has drowned out Black Twitter's approach toward demanding accountability. I found this statement to be very eye-opening for many people because it illustrates how cancel culture took over that, I would say, social movement. Because it started as something good. It was for demanding justice for individuals in the Black community. And it would give people a voice, especially when calling out people of power or social elites, as Meredith Clark calls them, who would normally find a way out of their inequity. Meredith's work just puts another perspective, on my opinion, in this topic of cancel culture. Like, it was not toxic. It used to not be toxic. It was an empowered movement that, sadly, with misinformation, like Professor Eve had stated, 
shifted into the toxicity of communication in cancel culture community. But this is basically the conversation that Professor Velasco, Professor Eve, and Professor Meredith were bringing into light. And now with this information, I believe that, like in my personal opinion, after I um, reflected on these issues and these statements that each of them made, I want to present my own. And it's that I believe that toxic communication can be an outcome of the lack of emotional intelligence. Sometimes people don't keep in mind the emotions of other people or even their own emotions. And sometimes that can cause them to misword things and not communicate effectively, especially on social media. And that can be triggering to other people and become toxic at some points. But also, after seeing these many points of views, I can understand that communication, cancel culture communication, has been influenced by false information and insulting language that has undermined the original purpose of calling out online, that is activism. So I'm basically saying that consequential communication is more complex than we could even imagine. It has to do with our English discourse, how we gather information, and how we communicate with that information. And I just hope that one day we can find a solution to this. I believe that there is, but it will just take time and more people to listen and reflect on this issue. But if you want to keep in touch and find out more about this cancel culture communication, make sure to follow me on Twitter at Research Account and stay tuned for the next update. Who knows, maybe I found the solution to this issue. <laughs> Thank you.